Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 38. I'm glad you could join us. In today's episode, the team is joined by Jeremy Tate, the president and brainchild behind the classical learning test, otherwise known as the CLT. If you're not familiar with the CLT, you will learn all about it in this episode. We talk about the need for such an exam, its explosive growth across the country, and the pushback from the college board, among others, against creating and making available a more meaningful and valuable college entrance exam. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. And I'm Jordan. After slipping through a thousand cracks, I completed a PhD in history and literature of ancient Christianity at Göttingen University in Germany. Now I teach Greek and Latin at Colby and serve as the Director of Public and Alumni Relations. We welcome this week Jeremy Tate, the founder of the Classic Learning Test. Welcome to the Colby Cast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. It's really a pleasure to have you visiting with us. I'm looking forward to hearing about the Classic Learning Test. I've seen it come up time and again now, and I'm not too familiar with it. I only have my experience with taking the ACT many times, <laughs> standardized yeah. experience of that, and uh, the Duke TIP program. These are my points of reference. Colby students have been doing well on the classic learning test, those who have been taking it, including okay. one who earned the top score recently, Megan Rohatke. There are links to this success of Megan's on the Colby blog, which we will link to in our show notes. So before I go any further, Jeremy, can you tell us about the origins of the classic learning test? Yeah, that's great, Bonnie. Thanks so much again. You know, I always give as a disclaimer whenever I, t- I start kind of any talk that that uh, you may think at the outset, like what could possibly be more boring than talking about a standardized test. Like the only thing worse than taking <laughs> one is talking about one for an hour or half an hour. Um, but really it's, it's fascinating. Um, tests, especially high stakes tests, really do drive, dictate um, kind of mainstream academic focus in America. And an analogy I, I often present is if you think for a second, okay, what if the SAT and ACT got together and they said, okay, we're gonna have a mandatory French component starting in 2023, right? What would happen to curriculum overnight, right? What would happen to American schools overnight in the mainstream? Everybody would start taking French, right? Immersion courses would blow up, tutoring, French tutoring, right? We would have people coming over here left and right. Tests, you know, for better or worse, drive, shape, impact curriculum. And they also show a young person what we believe as schools, as homeschool organizations, as parents, as Catholics, as believers, what we believe is important. Um, and so to have the most important test, which is, has historically been the SAT and the ACT, that exclude the entire Christian Catholic intellectual tradition completely. Uh, we've talked from people from College Board on the grounds of sensitivity uh, they exclude the entire Catholic intellectual tradition, right? And I want that to kind of sink in for a second because what we're talking about here is the most powerful education company in America, by their own admission, censors our entire intellectual tradition. And Catholic schools, 
uh, Catholic colleges, their response to being censored by the college board has literally been to write checks to the college board. It's it's wild. And so I launched CLT really actually when I was running an SAT prep company. Um, I, a story for a different time is, is actually kind of before that Catholicism itself played a big role in derailing my career path. I was going to be a Protestant pastor and went to seminary and, and started reading Chesterton by mistake. And one thing led to another and things got crazy and and uh, eventually was pulled into uh, the beauty uh, of, of the Catholic Church and converted in 2010, but then needed a job, needed a way to put food on the table for four little kids and got into SAT prep as an easy way to do that. But as soon as I got really immersed into the SAT itself, I started to think, man, at best, this is just a painfully boring test at best. At worst, it was politically biased. It was often aggressively secular. Uh, it was putting students in front of texts that undermined the mission of schools. You know, just last summer, I mean, there's a political bias as well. Just last summer, they, they had Bernie Sanders uh, op-ed on the SAT that millions of students are reading. College board just does this and nobody can do anything about it. And so I started to just really have this dream of what would it look like if instead of teaching these subpar texts, what if we were deep diving C.S. Lewis? or Flannery O'Connor, or Chesterton, or Jane Austen, or Frederick Douglass, these amazing thinkers that I believe are, are really worthy uh, of a student's time and attention. So CLT really launched with a dream. It, it's been remarkably providential that CLT has somehow become a success because there was no business plan. There was no funding. There was a ton of kind of just naivety on my part of how easy it would be to, uh, to roll out an alternative. But I think providentially, God put a lot of really gifted, capable people in the right place. We've got an amazing Top Gun team. I joke around at CLT a lot that if, if I didn't start it, there's no way I could get a job at CLT because everybody is far more competent than I am. Uh, but it's, it's been fun. I mean, I get to go to work every day and we're, we're here to cause trouble. We want to pick a fight with the academic establishment in America that really has, has no backbone. And um, yeah, so we're five years into this, just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Last year, had over 30,000 students test with us. We could hit 50,000 this year. So it's growing a lot, especially in the homeschool world. And, and Colby students do fantastic, uh, not just on the CLT, but on the CLT 10 and uh, the CLT 8 as well. So again, really thrilled to be chatting today. Yeah, I, I love that when you say you're here to uh, to pick a fight with, with the establishment. I think, I think that's really in line with a lot of what's happening just in homeschool movement itself, the idea of the great books movement. And what it sounds like is what your idea was really matches up with the intentions of parents who find themselves at places like Colby. So they're, they're thinking these books are the books that should be read. For example, this is what demands time and attention from my, my children. So it's, it's almost like you've accommodated that with the same goal, with the same purpose behind what you're doing um, really kind of matches up. Do you, do you think that yeah, that's, that's so well said? I mean, I think CLT wants to be setting the standard, you know, for, for too long, I think homeschooling parents, classically classical schools have been having to defer to a standard that reflects and keep in mind that in 2015, both the, the ACT and the SAT aligned with the common core standards. And so this idea that a homeschool student, a classically educated student should be getting measured, that their measuring stick is going to be the common core standards is, is absolutely asinine, especially when we think about what is the substance 
of a good education, a serious education, a Catholic education, right? Philosophy, theology, scripture, logic, grammar. Most of these things have been totally gutted from the mainstream education framework in America right now. And so I think parents are waking up to this. I mean, it's been one of the blessings I think of COVID is that parents often saw kind of the nonsense that is being put in front of their students and they said, we're not, we're not going to do this anymore. Uh, and I'm thrilled. I, I know from what I've heard anecdotally, tremendous growth in numbers uh, of students uh, at Colby, which is, is great. And I think that's going to continue as more and more parents wake up to what's going on. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, th- I think that the what we're seeing is just the beginning of of something that's that's um, that's coming, something around the corner. With it's like the future of education now, in a way. And so, Colby, we were we were uniquely positioned because we had started the online academy in 2013, and so it's now we're in the position where we've been doing this for some years and. And uh, if you want the experienced program, you can come to us. Or if you want the one that's reacting now to to what's happening, it sounds to me that the the CLT is a bit like that, also a bit providentially planted ahead of time. Um, I know that Magdalene Magdalene boasts, uh, Magdalene College in New Hampshire, where I also teach, boasts that it was the first college, I think, to accept it. Very first, yes. Very first, that's right. and how how many are there? I mean, where is it now? It's how? at least 200, maybe 205 right now, partner colleges. And then a ton of test optional schools will, will accept CLT as well, in addition to that. Wow. What's that like to approach an academic institution and say, I have this new test to present along with SAT, ACT? Okay. Yeah, early on, you know, I, I think at this point now, most most admissions offices have at least heard of CLT. A lot won't talk to us because... We think the Western tradition is pretty cool, and that's just a radical position to take at this point, and we're not going to back away from that. And so it's unlikely that a lot of the big states are really going to give us a whole whole lot of attention. But yeah, I think early on when we first started saying, hey, we, we've got an alternative to the SAT and ACT that we think is better, it was pretty pretty wild concept, you know, for sure. And and also colleges didn't really know how they would go about at the time changing their admission standard. That was one thing that kept coming up is we would even talk to college presidents where they would say, well, maybe I can do that, or maybe admissions, or maybe it'd be the board, or maybe it's a faculty senate. Um, so we found that every college, you know, was different in terms of the adoption process. With COVID, though, so many colleges have quickly gone test optional, which in one way, it means, well, you know, not that many students are testing. This year, it was down to about 44% of students nationwide took either the SAT, the ACT, or the CLT. But that percentage is, is much higher in the homeschool arena. And there's a number of schools that even though they're test optional, they still require or at least strongly encourage homeschool students to test, which if you're coming from a place like Colby Academy, you're going to do great. And that's actually also been one of the really interesting things about CLT is that, you know, when we launched this, we didn't necessarily intend to launch a data company that would have the kind of insights into education, but it just kind of comes with the territory. And so what we've seen, and I've even experienced this anecdotally, is as we were saying before we started uh, recording here, I, I try to call the families after each test to say, hey, congrats, you know, your daughter got the second highest score in the nation. Wonderful job. Whatever you're doing at home, keep doing it. Great stuff. Um, But more often than not, even though only about 40% of all CLT test takers are homeschooled, the majority, uh, almost the vast majority, maybe two thirds or more of those top score recipients on every test are homeschooled students, which is fascinating. 
That is fascinating. I mean, do you, do you, what would you tell families if, they, if they're interested, they're starting to look at this and then they think to themselves, how, how does a student prepare for this? Are there specific materials like you could buy a, an ACT prep book at Barnes and Noble, something like that? What, what would you encourage uh, families to do for their students who might be taking the CLT? It's a great question, and we, we've tried to have really the same answer for, for five years, which is read good books. That's it. Read good books and read them a lot and enjoy them. Enjoy them. You know, the test prep industry around the SAT and ACT, well, one, it, it functions like a giant marketing apparatus. SAT and ACT love it because parents are constantly saying SAT, ACT, SAT, ACT, which sends a signal that colleges are really obsessed. No, it's the test prep industry that's obsessed because they it's a billion dollar industry that's in addition to the billion dollars college board pulls in and the 400 million dollars that act pulls in and so the test prep industry is a racket and it's very tempting for clt to head that direction uh, but we're saying no read good books have them read plenary o'connor short stories have them read the lord of the rings every year of their life right? Uh, the books I think that we all love, have them go deep in that and not worry about how they're going to do. And I guarantee if, you're, if your son or daughter loves to read, if you come in their room and you find them reading books and the same books over and over, they're going to do great on the CLT. No question. This is interesting to get your perspective on the industry. This particular year has been challenging in so many ways, not yes. including among them the idea of AP testing, for homeschoolers, when you were mentioning the College Board, I feel there's it trips this sensor in me. Like, okay, again with the AP testing, I've been seeking that out this year, uh, trying to figure out how to accomplish that as a homeschooler, and it has been one thing after another trying to sort that out. So yeah. that particular challenge, it's very evident to me, this monolith that we've been kind of dealing with with College Board here. So, but that gets me to wondering, like, what's the point of this? Is this really? Do we really need to be jumping through this hoop? So that's probably a conversation for another time, but. It, yep. it harkens to mind what you're mentioning so, about Bonnie, this. I, I think it's a great it's conversation to have and think about you know the the what is the emperor the emperor's clothing um where you know college board at the end of the day it's a self they're a self-appointed authority um the colleges don't really value ap credits all that much anymore a lot of colleges don't even give credit for ap credit it might help you get in perhaps to a more selective college um but yeah at the end of the day there's so many there's countless options that are better at this point than AP. There's there's a, a ton of amazing dual uh, dual enrollment, dual credit options that I would recommend, you know, before AP for sure. And, and look, I mean, College Board, you know, we go back and forth between, do we want to be super negative about College Board all the time? And then sometimes we'll have, you know, people in the homeschool arena say, you've got to be a little more negative about College Board. I mean, but they really are, they're not a neutral organization. They're the most powerful organization in America. In fact, when I sat down with Robbie George four years ago launching this, um, one of the things he he mentioned is that they're the entity most responsible uh, for the radical secularization of American education, right? And the fact that they have got even faithful Catholic homeschool families still jumping over their hoops, you know, um, CLT wants to be a part of kind of ending their their reign for sure. Um, and we really need, I mean, they're a giant beast to go up against. And even five years into this, you know, we're always asking for any help we can get. Uh, in that and and opting away from AP and anything else the college board is doing is a big big step in that direction for sure. Interesting and hopeful because at the same time there's this tension between how necessary is this and yeah. what's another way we can accomplish that which I think CLT appears to be a good option for that 
and especially for homeschoolers, it looks like you have been making administration of the exam more and more homeschool friendly. Why, what makes the CLT a good option for homeschoolers? Yeah, so this was kind of our, our COVID story. I mean, you know, in some ways, CLT, we're, we're also a, a, a startup that is really, I think for an education company, the, the mentality at CLT is very much of, I think, what you would think of like early days of Nike or Under Armour or something. Um, it's a very competitive mentality. We want to be a real player against College Board. We want to get in the ring with them. We want to go toe to toe. So COVID happened and we said, you know what? we can bury your head in the sand and just see how long this whole thing lasts. Or we could roll out remote proctoring, which we had already been piloting. And we'd been piloting it actually for kids in the Dakotas and in Montana and in Alaska, because they were driving like five hours to then take an online test. And we're like, we could do better than this, you know? And so we've rolled out remote proctoring. The tech complexity behind it is is pretty intense and we've gotten better and better and better. And I think at this point, we're pretty close to having having mastered it. but. What that means is, you know, you think about the student experience for a 10th grade, maybe homeschool student, 11th grade homeschool student, they can take the CLT from their living room via remote proctoring, get their score back in a week. Um, It's safe, it's secure. um, And at this point, we're down to less than 1% error on students having a tech malfunction or anything like that. And so we say internally, we want to be the Chick-fil-A of standardized testing. We want to give kids a better experience of uh, than, than the SAT and ACT do. We don't just want to give them better content. Um, and I think, you know, if you talk to some Colby families, I, I hope that's the experience, you know, that they've had. What are the steps for people that that they're, they're hearing this and, and maybe their oldest child, they're just now having to start to think about uh, standardized testing. What should they do? Should they go to the website or or is there, what, yeah. what's the next step? So a, a really good place to start. I mean, if, if you, create a student account, there's three or four free practice tests in there. So all you need is an email and a password and create a student account. It takes about 10 seconds and go in and you can take a practice test and it'll score it right then and there. And then you can also go and see how that would equate to an ACT or an SAT. That's all just a free resource. And so that, that's a really, really great tool to have. And then for us, our, our most popular assessment is actually a CLT 10, which is an alternative to the PSAT, it's designed for ninth and 10th grade students. It's actually easier to access scholarship dollars through the CLT 10, real scholarship dollars. I mean, this, well, not this past spring, but pre-COVID, we were physically taking checks to a lot of people. Um, It was fun doing that, showing up at somebody's school or house and a $2,500 check to go towards their, their freshman year in college. Yeah, so that that's the goal with that uh, for the CLT 10. You also offer the CLT-8, right? What are some of the benefits of these tests? Are they sort of, I tend to think of a golf analogy being sort of a practice round with especially students who take ACT and SAT or the PSAT, even for 10th graders taking it sort of as a practice round of sorts. Is that kind of a good parallel to yours or there are probably a number of other benefits too? I think about my own own view of CLT change when my daughter took it for the first time. She took the CLT-8. And we were pretty new homeschool families. We were only in our second year when she took it for the first time. And in some ways, you know, the analytics and now the analytics are are super helpful, very user friendly, can really give a parent, a student insight into where they're doing great, where they're thriving, where they're well above their peers um, and where they also need to do some work, you know, and so. Um, you know, for, for my daughter, we've always always knew she was good at math. Somehow she doesn't really write things down much. She just figures things out pretty well in her head. It's kind of amazing how she does it. I was this, kind of similar. 
um, grammar's never been been great, and uh, and so you know we we saw that with CLT8 analytics as well. It, it was able to identify some areas that we really needed to hone in on. So I think for the CLT8, it's not you know there's this view, especially with PSAT, it's like oh it's all it's all this stepping stone. It's all a stepping stone to the SAT, and that's a stepping stone to college, and college is a stepping stone to to a job. You know, and a job's a stepping stone to retirement, and it's like all of life becomes this ridiculous stepping stone, right? Um, no, like we want to pursue excellence for the sake of excellence, and so CLT analytics can show a student where there's some areas of weakness, some areas that need work academically. Um, and I think for a lot of the homeschool families we work with, uh, that's the main reason they do CLT. It doesn't necessarily have a whole lot to do with getting ready for the CLT, even uh, really just to kind of gain insight into where you're at. So you mentioned this idea of uh, that you were going to be you were on the road to becoming a, a Protestant pastor at some point, which I, I totally relate to. I mean, my my dad is a Protestant pastor. My brothers are Protestant pastors. So I I converted in 2010 also. And I think one of the things that uh, people don't really don't maybe don't recognize for people like us, converts like us, is one of the hard things about converting is that you want to serve God and you want to do it with with you want to do it professionally so that you can do it full time, you know, and and once and if you're a married man like I was, that's one of the stepping stones to get over is you're like, how can I serve God full time? Um, You know, and so I've I found a way doing it and teaching and and things is is that do you see your mission on that level? Is it like a spiritual calling that God has brought you to? Um, do you see it in that way or? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, when I, I was looking through before we got on this, just of, of kind of the some of the source material that we're using on CLT assessments and and uh, we go through that. In fact, it was a debate with some people on our board because not all the people on the CLT board of academic advisors are are Catholic. It may be half. I haven't actually counted, but there's a bit of a debate of, of do we say St. Catherine? Do we say St. Thomas Aquinas? Do we say St. Augustine? You know, um, and that was the hill I was willing to die on. Like the Catholic intellectual tradition gave birth to the university itself. It's why we have universities. Apart from medieval Catholicism, there is no university, you know? And so I think the fact that we can say, look, this this tradition, we can't do away with this tradition. And so I think in my own little arena uh, of through assessment, want, wanting to bring this great, rich, beautiful uh, content, ideas, thinkers, authors uh, into uh, students' hearts and heads is uh, is really cool, you know. And and with that, it's not just a test itself, but you know, if students are doing prep, we're able to kind of redeem some of those hours instead of just learning little tricks or practicing on you know with meaningless practice tests. You know, you can go through our our practice tests right now on our website. One of the passages is John Paul the Great on the Christian meaning of human suffering. You are not going to see that on an SAT or an ACT, you know. In fact, I was presenting that to a public university probably three years ago. And they're looking through our tests. And then the guy says, well, we can't use an admissions test or allow an admissions test that has C.S. Lewis and John Paul the Great on it. I said, why not? These are two of the greatest intellects of the entire 20th century. Why why can't they be on the... And he just thought that it was just fine and just okay to censor somebody because in the passages, you know, in that particular test, they weren't necessarily even passages that were talking about faith and saving faith in Christ. Um, they were just biased against them as people because of them being people of faith. That's where mainstream universities are at. That's where a lot of them are at, you know. Um, and that's something else CLT is really wanting to do is that, and we've really been doing this, honestly, since we launched in 2015 as well, 
telling parents and students, look, yes, we're here to give you a better test than the SAT and ACT, but we also want to introduce you to some really great colleges because you know, my background besides running an SAT prep company was as a college counselor. And I, I worked with parents that they sent their their daughter off to a big state university, the Penn States of the world, and the kid got lost, you know, and they lost their faith. And, uh, and you know, you send them somewhere like Magdalene where they're going to be loved on, you know, their professors know them, they're cared about, and you have people that, that have the courage to teach them the truth. Um, CLT wants to do everything in our power to introduce students to those kinds of colleges. As we get closer and closer to the end of the high school years here, we're still a ways away from them, but they're looming large. They're coming. This is occupying more space in my mind, the the purpose of, of college and what that will look like, especially as we are uh, moving through this time and what it will look like on the other side of it. And all the things you mentioned before about the stepping stones of we got to do this, so that leads to this, that leads to this. And this has been an opportunity to reconsider that and and think more deeply about what are we doing here? And I really appreciate what you said about the, the time spent preparing for the test, what the students are immersed in studying. I mean, they spend so much time preparing Then what better to to spend yeah. on than these rich texts. And I, I really think we can't over emphasize or stress like what it communicates, maybe in a subtle way, but what it communicates to a young person when you say, okay, here's the most important test you're ever gonna take. And everything we told you is most important is nowhere to be found, right? That that's strange for a young person to process. Sure, it's like this um, this inversion we do often, where it's all about process and not about substance. And I think it's awesome uh, to have something like this that to study for it. You're you're uh, you're you're reading what there are people out there wish they had the opportunity. I, I, when I look back on my, I was homeschooled, but not in a great books way was more in like a, a no books way, you know, it was just, uh, it was more basically unschooling. And I look, and I look at a lot of the texts that my students have read mm. and me as a, a college professor, I'm like, wow, you know a lot more about that than, than I do. I wish I had the time to, to do that. So in preparing for a test like this, it's almost like it's, it's a reward. It could almost be looked at as a reward for doing what you were yes. supposed to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'm convinced that the very best kind of the, the marketing dynamite, so to speak, for Colby, for Mother Divine Grace, you know, for classical homeschool education, what have you, it is the students themselves. You meet students that have had this kind of academic formation. I am blown away. And I, I'm not trying to bash. I taught in the public school for eight years at a Catholic private school for two. I've met amazing students there. But I, I've truly been blown away getting to know the depth uh, the character development, um, it is just altogether different. Uh, and it's actually even changed what I thought was possible. I think I had a, a picture in my head of like a 16 and 18 year old is only capable of, of this. Then you meet some of these students that have had this kind of academic formation, this kind of experience homeschooling, um, and they're just, they're on a different plane, you know, altogether. And I think in 20, 30 years, it's going to be these students that are, I think, running, running America, honestly. I mean, they're, so yeah, um, Congrats to you both and, and the, the work that you're doing, you know, on this front, because it's it's crucial, I think, for this next generation. Yeah, same to you. And I, I know we, the thing is, is we, we are going to win and and it doesn't always feel that way. But but it's true. It's true. I I get glimpses of it every now and then. But I, I know that that's true. Talk about the 
the right side of history and all of that. I've, I've got one. I have one more question. I just about the exam that I'm wondering: Is scripture study um, on there at all? Is are there like a, a student who's well versed in the Bible? Are there going to be any questions about the Bible or anything? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, scripture, no. Uh, if you think it's something that is uh, something as simple as maybe Lincoln's second inaugural. Um, where there are scriptural references, and it's certainly going to help you to understand what Lincoln's talking about if you know what scripture is talking about. So absolutely, we're going to use source material that assumes students have a degree of, of knowledge in scripture. Um, that itself is different from the SAT and ACT, but we never have used any any older New Testament passages uh, themselves on the test. The whole topic of standardized testing, I think, is really, it can be very confusing to navigate, I think, for families. Can you offer your thoughts as a dad working in assessment and the academic realm, how we as homeschoolers can approach the whole subject of testing, preparing our students, and even getting ourselves in this in this mindset of excellence for the sake of excellence, not just this is the most important, this test is the end-all be-all of everything. Can you yeah, speak totally. it to the parent side, especially those of us who might be fairly new to homeschooling or approaching the, the testing season? Yeah, I mean, the the, the purpose of everything that, that happens at Colby Academy, uh, that happens at a good, any good homeschool, any good Catholic school, has nothing to do with any kind of performance on uh, a standardized test, CLT included. The purpose is to know and to love God and to love your neighbor as well. And uh, and that that's the goal. And so I, I think the motive is everything. If a student thinks I'm doing all this and so then I can jump the next hoop and do well in the CLT or the SAT. Um, but as a as a side, as an unintended consequence, and I think this is you can make a similar analogy with the kind of all of classical education. Is the goal of classical education to make somebody employable? Not at all. It's to make somebody more human. But they end up being the best employees, right? Uh, irony being that's kind of the whole goal of secular progressive education, and they end up not making as good of employees. I think the same thing is true with this. When the goal of education is the the knowledge itself is desirable, that it helps us to know and to love and to serve God and, and our neighbor, um, unintended side consequence, kids are going to do great on the CLP and other standardized assessments as well. That's something that I think we are, I'm trying to incorporate into a conversation more, the idea of one's value for who one is, as opposed to how we perform on exams, assessments, whatever. That's I always welcome the opportunity to hear that myself and to pass that along. So hopefully that is helpful to other families as well. You know, I think the vision of education that I think is, is actually kind of pre-industrial revolution and education vision that I, I hope to be part of, of kind of driving people back to is where, you know, rest is connected to leisure. Uh, leisure is connected to learning. And uh, and that we do have assessment, but it's it's rare. And um, a, a few times, you know, and look, we, we always want to put a test in its context. Is it helpful? Absolutely. Uh, it's a snapshot into where a student's at in terms of some really key academic areas at a given moment in time. But it certainly doesn't say anything of any substance about the person themselves, you know, what kind of person this is. Do they have grit? Do they have a work workability? It's going to be helpful for placement. It'll be helpful for admissions, sometimes for scholarship. It gives you a good sense of you know, if a student does well, especially on the CLT verbal, it's a good indication that they like books, that they read a lot, uh, that they're probably going to like the kind of, of coursework they're going to see at a place like Magdalen College their freshman year. So, It's been very interesting visiting with you, Jeremy, and all of, hearing all about your good work at the CLT. You have a podcast yourself, right, called Anchored? 
We do. Yeah, we have a podcast. We've, we've been in the podcast arena now for maybe six months, and it's just fun meeting some really amazing folks doing that. Um, so yeah, Anchor, check it out. And then again, the website is cltexam.com. Um, and we've had uh, lots of Colby students over the past several years uh, with us, so would always love to have more. Good deal. We will include these links in our show notes and wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Uh, Bonnie, uh, Jordan, thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam. 